You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Before I get into my message, one more thing here. I want to give you an update, a really exciting update with our giving campaign. We've been in this giving campaign called God's House, Our Home. Uh, we are looking to purchase a building, maybe lease a building. We're just looking to the future of getting our own space. We are temporarily um, leasing the Global Ventures building right here. Global Ventures is our missions organization that we partner with, and they've said, hey, we got a spot you can use it while you're looking for your space. And so we said, hey, all right, God, what do we need to do while we're waiting? So our goal has been to raise $100,000. And so at the beginning of September, uh, we had $67,000 in uh, that house fund uh, for our bank account. So we started at $67,000 at the beginning of September. And so I want to give you an exciting update. Uh, we can have a little bit of fun with it. If you want to do a little drum roll, please, right there at your seat, that'd be good. All right, you can throw up the next number. We have right now 75232 That's worth celebrating. Come on, somebody. That's a huge deal. So in just the first month, we were able to bring in that much and see that much come in. And obviously, a lot of you have set up reoccurring gifts. And so what's exciting about that is we can also see how much is going to come in. And so we're on track. We're doing really good. And so uh, I would encourage you, like we've been doing every single week, and remind you of that kind of that big faith estimator. You can put it up there. It's also in the seat back in front of you, those little handout cards. But basically, we, we made those so that you can take it home and pray about it. And it makes it a little more tangible on, Lord, where do we fall in this? What's our part to play? And if you haven't kind of made a commitment to one spot, I would just encourage you, hey, ask what God would have you do. I don't want you, don't uh, give because I'm up here uh, pulling on your heartstrings. Give because you are being obedient to what God has uh, put on your heart. And so pray about it, think about it, and see what God would have you do. And then uh, most importantly, walk in obedience. Amen, somebody, right? Uh, don't just hear what God wants you to do and then not do it. No, walk in obedience to him uh, more than anybody else. And so you can put up the different ways uh, to give. If you're unfamiliar, they're also in the seat back in front of you on the giving envelope right there, all the different ways that you can give. If you want to give towards the house fund, though, be sure and select the house fund because that goes to a totally different spot that we're not touching and we're just putting aside right now. Let me pray over our giving and over our church. And uh, man, I'm so thankful for your generosity. It's been so exciting to see uh, what God's done in just the first month. And we got three more months to go to, to hit that goal. So it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you that um, you have um, big plans for our church, Lord. Uh, your word says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. And so, Lord, we're, we're doing our best in this season to uh, submit to you, listen for your guiding, and uh, steward this season as best we can. And so, Lord, I just pray over everyone that is giving towards your church, Lord. I thank you that you, you notice it, you see it, and you will not let them go without. Your word promises that when we sow into the kingdom, that it produces fruit, that it brings a harvest. And so, Lord, I pray pray and I thank you in advance that you are meeting every need. Uh, Lord, that you are moving in our finances. You are opening up ways for us to be generous, even more generous with the church and also with the people around us. We thank you for it, Lord. And we're just so excited for what you're doing and for the future. And uh, Lord, uh, help us help us uh, keep you first and do our part, but also keep our hands off of it so you can do what only you can do. We love you in Jesus' name. Everyone, everyone said. Amen, amen. Hey, uh, let's hop into our, our message today. I have some, uh, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, I have some really important content that I want to cover. We're wrapping up our series called The School of the Spirit. We've been talking all about the Holy Spirit. Has this series been helpful to anybody? Uh, hopefully it's been. It's been helpful to me. I know that much. Uh, sometimes... Um, 
it's good to go into some of the basics of who God is. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an it. He's not a weird thing. But hopefully through the series, we've seen the ways that we can interact with him and God through the Holy Spirit uh, and on an everyday basis and how it applies in our church and things like that. And I couldn't help go, go through this series, but then wrap it up with one important thing. One important thing that we must talk about when we talk about who the Holy Spirit is and how he applies to our life is how do we how are we led by the Spirit? If we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand how can I be led by the Spirit? That's what we see in the New Testament. So the big question today, it's on your note-taking card, is this, how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear God's voice? How do I how am I led by him? If I'm going through my life, when we read the New Testament, you see that the, the apostles were led by the Spirit to do something or they were prompted by the Spirit to do something. Well, that's great, but what does that mean for me, right? You ever had that thought? Like, how do I, I want to be prompted by the Spirit. I want to hear God's voice. And so my prayer today is that we would understand very simply how we can and you can personally hear from God uh, as you walk with him and as you learn to hear his voice. This is something God wants for you. There's a lot of people that would preach that God doesn't, that he doesn't talk to you personally. And I would say uh, that's not right <laughs> because I'll show you a few scriptures. John 10 verse 27, Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He goes on to say that the voice of a stranger, we don't follow, but we hear his voice. So when I become a part of God's family, I become in a way where I can hear his voice in a unique way. He wants you to hear his voice because he wants you to follow him. He's not trying to make it a mystery. His will is not a mystery. Well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. And God never is, is leading me. No, he wants to lead you through this life. And that's why in John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide, everyone say guide, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things to come. That word guide in the original language is hodego. I think I'm saying that right, but it means this, to lead along the way, to lead along the way. This is the heart of God for you is that it's not, hey, welcome to the family. He's not gonna kick you out the door and say, good luck surviving the rest until you make it to heaven. When you make it to heaven, it's gonna be great, but good luck down there. No, God's desire for you is that he welcomes you into the family. He says, now let me walk with you. Let me give you my spirit and guide you through this life. I'm gonna give you a helper. I'm gonna give you a comforter, comforter because you're gonna be in uncomfortable situations. I'm gonna give you someone that's gonna give you boldness because there's gonna be times when you need to speak up and I'm counting on you to speak up when no one else is. He's gonna equip you and empower you in this life, not just someday in heaven. But in order to do that, we must hear his voice. So God wants to use his spirit to speak to you directly and to guide you through this life. And so I'm going to give you, here's four things basically of how you can hear God clearly. Number one, most important, most important is you must study God's word. You must study God's word. This is the foundation. And all four of these that we're going to talk about today, they build on the next. If you're going to do anything to hear the voice of God, you must be in his word. So many people are saying, well, I just don't know what God's will is for my life. I don't know what decision to make. I don't know if I've ever heard from God. Um, and, and many times we're waiting for God to, to uh, begin to speak to us. But Romans 12, 2 says this. We, we know the first part of this verse, but I want to show you the, 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 the second part. Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know that part. We, we quote that all the time. But look at the second half. That you may prove... What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That who may prove? You. Interesting verbiage. That you may prove, meaning 
you will produce, it will show up in your life. It will be visible in your life what the perfect, acceptable, good, the pleasing will of God. So the good news is this. When I renew my mind in God's word, I can live out God's will for my life. When I renew my mind in God's word, I can live out God's will for my life. Now, I've shared this before, but what does it mean to renew your mind? This is the easiest. I share this every time I quote this verse, I feel like. But when I was in kids' ministry, we would do the brain bath illustration where we would get a brain out, a fake brain. Okay, everybody, okay. Fake brain out. And, and we would say, hey, as you go through your day, this is like your brain. You go through your day and it gets dirty, right? You see something you didn't, weren't supposed to see. There's like junk put on it. There's worms put on it. Some, uh, you saw something on the computer that made you feel uncomfortable. Some kid told you a dirty joke, whatever it is. And your brain just gets a bunch of garbage put on is what we did. So by the end of the day, your brain looks like junk. Like you need to throw this thing away. But whenever we get in God's word and we read God's word and we speak God's word, it's like taking that brain and we pull out a soapy bucket of, of water and a, a sponge. And we say, it's like giving your brain a bath. When I start reading God's word, I realize who God's created me to be. And I start washing that brain. I start speaking God's word and it's like I'm scrubbing that brain. And we have this bucket that represents the living word of God, the living water of God. And by the end of it, once I'm getting in God's word, I have a nice clean brain again. Here's the thing. Renewing my mind is a daily thing. We can't do, you can't renew your mind according to Romans 12 two, just on Sunday mornings. It is not enough. You must get in God's word yourself. Again, that's why we give you the note-taking cards. Get in God's word yourself. And you say, Pastor Dan, I don't even know where to begin, right? Everybody have been there before? I have. I don't know where to start. It's confusing. I started in this book called Numbers, and I'm so messed up right now, right? Like, you don't know. Look, if you don't know where to begin, read a chapter of Proverbs every day. There's, there's 31 chapters. There's one for every day of the month. Whatever day it is, okay, today's the first read Proverbs 1. And before you start, take a moment, enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Show gratitude. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Show me, Holy Spirit, today what you want me to see and how I can apply it to my life. Read, not with the goal of reading a chapter, read with the goal of hearing his voice. That's where people miss it. I read my chapter today, but did you, he might have tried to stop you at verse two, but you read to verse 13, okay? Read with the goal of hearing his voice, not reading the chapter. And when you slow down that way, last one is this, here's a little tip. Read a translation that you can understand, right? Don't, don't read King James, okay? If you, can't, if you can't track, don't, okay? New Living Translation, the ESV, the, the New King James even is good. Read a translation that you can understand clearly, Read it slow, watch. Watch what God will do and what he'll reveal to you. But I'm gonna tell you this, you'll struggle hearing God's voice. You're gonna struggle hearing or knowing God's will if you're not a student of God's word. Let me say that more clear. You're, you'll struggle hearing God's voice and knowing God's will if you're not a student of God's word. This is the foundation for everything that the Holy Spirit will speak into your life. You gotta do it every single day. And I would say this, set an appointment. Set an appointment, right? This past week, I had a dentist appointment. You know when I sent that, I, I said it? Six months ago but I kept it. Why? Because it's important to me. We keep appointments that are important to us. I will miss work to go to an appointment that's important to me, right? But how many times do we value our dentist over our time with God? Because I won't miss the dentist, but ah, I just slept in a little bit extra and I, won't, I don't have time today. 
You see our priorities? We got to be committed to studying God's word. Study the word of God. You got to be in it. You got to be in it. Number two is this. Get in the flow of the spirit. Get in the flow of the spirit. So again, these are going to build on each other. So as we go through this, I'll show you how they kind of, they, they piggyback on one another. On, in Acts 2, it's the day of Pentecost. The Spirit is poured out, and we see them in the upper room, and they're, they're prophesying, and they're speaking in other tongues, and they're praying, and the Spirit's poured out, and these people are walking by, and they hear what's going on, and they're like, man, these guys are crazy. They're drunk. They're, they're kind of doing all kinds of weird stuff. And they, the, the apostles speak up in Acts 2, verse 16. It says this. He says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days... God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. This is interesting verbiage because that, that phrase, pour out, isn't a one-time pour. It is, it's not God up there with a little jug of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm going to pour it out a little bit right here on the day of Pentecost. But, oh, man, this stuff's really expensive and I can't afford to pour out any more than, than that. And then as, and through history, I'll pour out a little bit. That's not it. When he poured out his spirit at that moment, it is now a continual pouring out. It is accessible to every believer. That is what I talked about several weeks ago, the river of the Holy Spirit, that running water, that pouring out of the Spirit. It is flowing right now. It has not stopped. It is not for, it's not that it's not for us. No, we need to get in it is the problem. We think it was only for those people or that group of people or just for pastors. The pouring out has not ceased. It's a continual flow that is flowing to this day. Let me show you. That's why in Ephesians 5.18, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Now, the more accurate translation of that would be, be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled with the Spirit. That's super interesting. Meaning this, it's not a one-time thing. It is an ongoing decision that every day I'm going to get into the flow of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask for a fresh outpouring on a daily basis. Lord, flow through me. Use me today. Let your power flow through me today. I'm asking for it so that I can get into the flow of what the Holy Spirit wants for me. I, I described it like this when we talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I said, imagine that this water bottle is you. When you receive salvation, you get water on the inside. That's the Holy Spirit. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is like taking, take the cap off of this, and taking this water bottle and putting it into a flowing, mighty river, white water flowing. Now what happens? There's water inside, but there's also water all around it. More importantly, this bottle goes wherever the river tells it to go. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, we are prone to become static and to get in a rut. We are prone to become static and, and to get in a rut. And what happens is whenever water become static or stagnant, uninvited guests come to make their home in the water. And this is what happens in the spiritual realm many times. I pull myself, time's gone by, and I was excited at one time doing what God's, I'm moving with the flow of the Spirit, and I'm just, man, every day I feel like the Holy Spirit and me are walking hand in hand, but eventually I just kind of get used to it, and I work myself out of the river, and now I'm sitting here. And whenever water sits long enough, what happens? Germs come, disease come, mosquitoes come. Come on, somebody, right? Like just all the uninvited things. And this is what happens in the spiritual realm. When I stop asking and seeking for more of the Holy Spirit, when I stop be, being filled with the Holy Spirit, uninvited things begin to set up shop in my life. Things like bitterness, 
I just can't forgive that person. It's just rooted in there. It's deep in there. Uh, things like heartbreak and pain, hate towards other people. I begin to what? I begin to lose the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh begin to set up shop. And those things become the norm in my life. So in order to get rid of that, what do I have to do? I need to get back into the flow. Imagine if I left this out for a long time and this eventually, the water in here got disgusting. Imagine like pond water, lake water, right? Just brown and gross and there's stuff floating around here and swimming around here. It's disgusting. If I wanted to clean this out and get fresh water in here again, it's not that I gotta go pour this out and get a fresh infilling. One of the best ways to even clean this out is if this didn't have a cap on it and it had nasty water inside is by taking this and putting it back in the river. Because when I put it back in the river, there's going to be water outside, but that flowing water is going to get inside as well. And it's going to force and flush out every diseased thing that doesn't belong there anymore. It's the flow of the Holy Spirit. It's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is the be being filled constantly every day. Resist the urge to get into a rut and say, man, I'm just pretty good, you know. I read a chapter in my Bible a day. I go to church when I can and I pray and I worship. I'm good. Be being filled. Every day, Holy Spirit, would you help me today? Would you let me be in the flow of you today? Would you flow through me today? Would you give me a fresh outpouring of your spirit? Would you give me the power to do what you need me to do? Would you open my eyes to see opportunities to minister? When I pray those prayers, it keeps me in the river. And in the river, there is life. But when water gets stagnant, uninvited things begin to set up shop. And when I see the uninvited things begin to set up shop, it should set off alarms in my mind. Something ain't right. I need to make some adjustments, get back in the river, get back into the flow of the spirit. And in doing so, I've got to make sure and invite him daily. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is just like him. He's just like Jesus. What does Jesus do? He stands at the door and he knocks. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. But if you're not daily asking for his help, you're leaving him at the door and he's knocking. Ask. The more we ask, the more we seek, the more we knock, the door will be opened. And I promise you, you're going to see the Holy Spirit work in your life when you choose to invite him in. The third one is this, walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. So these build on each other. So study God's word is going to give me motivation and the spirit inside of me is going to give me the want to, to get into the flow of the spirit. When I get in the flow of the spirit, if I have anything on the inside of me that is sinful, that is against God, that anything like that, it's going to force that stuff out. And what? It's going to help me walk in holiness. It's going to help me live a pure life. It's going to help me live free from sin. So let me break this down here. I'm going to break this down in kind of a unique way. We're going to go back to Genesis and the story of Noah and the ark and the flood. So it has rained for 150 days. The tallest mountain is under the water. Supernatural flood. Everything is covered. Um, five months goes by. The earth is drying off. The breath of God is drying off the earth. Now Noah has to determine, is it safe for us to get out of this boat? He's re- I'm sure he's ready. Is it safe? Can we go? Let's pick up in Genesis 8, verse 6. At the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the earth. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and he took her and brought her into the ark with him. Let me stop here for a second. 
He sends out the raven. It goes back and forth for a little while, but eventually the raven doesn't come back. But he sends out the dove. The dove goes out and the dove comes back. The raven doesn't return, but the dove does, is where we're at. Verse 10. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days, and he sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. So the olive leaf that she gets, obviously that is a supernatural tree. God brought that up. It wasn't there before, but within a week it has produced leaves and is there. So that's a supernatural miracle in and of itself. But what do we see here? The raven goes out. Eventually the raven doesn't come back. But after the raven doesn't come back, the dove is sent out, but she comes back. Why? She had no place to rest her foot. What happened to the raven? Where's the raven resting its foot then? Here's the foreshadowing looking to the New Testament. The raven represents the ways of the world. And here's what the raven was willing to do. The raven was willing to land on dead things and consume them. The flood killed everything, humans, animals, trees. So even after months of the flood happening, there were dead things floating in the water. The raven was willing to land on dead bodies and consume it and eat it. The dove said, I don't, I don't land on dead things. I only land on living things. This is a foreshadowing then, if the raven represents the ways of the world and death, the dove represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. Remember, he's a person. It's a representation and a foreshadowing. The Holy Spirit, the dove, would only land on living things. Interesting that it brought back an olive leaf. The olive branch in, in the Bible represents so many things, but uh, simply put, it represents God's peace and the anointing of the Spirit of God. Out of anything, it could have brought back an olive leaf the anointing and the peace of God. It's time. She comes back. Eventually she says, okay, I'm going to go out and I don't come back because the dove had found somewhere living to rest its feet. So here's what I'm saying. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If you want to hear God's voice, if you want to be led by the Spirit, you can, <laughs> you cannot afford to continually, knowingly, willingly live in sin based on the foreshadowing of what we just saw with the dove and the raven. Hear my heart in this. So in context, Ephesians 4.30, it talks about how the Holy Spirit is grieved because of a sinful and a worldly lifestyle, a sinful and a worldly lifestyle. So we got to ask ourselves, what, what does death represent in Genesis? It represents sin. Sin is death. It separates you and me from God. It's spiritual death. So the raven will land on death and sin, but the dove cannot and it will not. The Holy Spirit doesn't grieve your sin because he's a prude that doesn't want you to have fun. Can I say that again? <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't grieve your sin because he's a prude that doesn't want you to have fun. No, he grieves it because it keeps him from walking with you as closely as he wants to. His name is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. He does not rest on things that are dead. 
when I'm alive in Christ and I'm studying God's word and I'm in the flow of the spirit and it begins to work in me, getting out the sinful things in my life, I now open a door for the Holy Spirit to come and to rest on me and be with me. And what, is, what did Jesus say? Guide me, lead me along the way of everyday life. And now I've created an atmosphere for him to come and land every single day. Again, he's not a dove, but he, that is a picture of the Holy Spirit. I've got to work in such a way that I'm not knowingly, willingly live in sin. That doesn't mean I'm never going to stumble from time to time. It just means when I stumble, what do I need to do? I need to get back up and I need to get back in the flow, get back in the word. I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to get rid of those things that would keep the Holy Spirit from being close and guiding me everywhere that I go. But there's so many people that, I, that I've, I've talked to in the past that just claim grace for everything, right? Well, it's all under grace, brother. And there is, the grace of God is greater than we can, I think, even wrap our mind around. Absolutely. But it's interesting that in the New Testament, it tells us under grace, not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Meaning I can be under grace, but my actions can still break the heart of God because it pushes him to a distance. And this is what we do. The Holy Spirit wants to land on you. He's not, he's not going around looking at you saying, wow, you're just not good enough. I'm not going to work in your life today. He desires every day to be involved in your life. However, too many times we knowingly just shoo away the Holy Spirit, right? Like, I, hey, you know, I know we're not married, but we're doing married things. We're probably going to get married someday. What are we doing? Get out of here, Holy Spirit. Get out of here. I know, you know, I know gossiping is a bad thing, but I just like to be in the know of what's going on. What am I doing? Get out of here, Holy Spirit. But whenever crisis comes, we say, speak to me, show me, what do I need to do? Help me. That's not a healthy relationship. We've got to get in a way and live in a way that we are walking in holiness. What are we doing? We're just creating a place for the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell. Now, it's interesting too that scripture does not say, be being saved. That's not what it says. I want to make that very clear. It's not that every day I have to go back and, or every time you come to church and say, hey, I need to get saved again. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life again. When we were in kids ministry, we had some kids that would do that every single Sunday. They would raise, every time you give the altar call, they'd raise their hand, they'd come forward. And you know, after the first few times, it's like, okay, we need to have a conversation. Uh, behind the scenes, not from stage, we would call them repeat offenders because uh, they kept coming up. But um, we would say, hey, normally what would happen is they were feeling guilty because they had messed up that week. They had sinned that week. And it's like, welcome to the club. <laughs> we, we mess up from time to time. Let me show you how to ask for forgiveness, how to get back in right standing, and how to walk with God again. It doesn't say be being saved. It says be being filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to constantly be in the flow of the Spirit so that I can hear from Him and He can have an atmosphere to walk with me every single day. The good news is Jesus has dealt with death. If I'm going to walk in holiness, you don't have to do it by yourself. You have a helper. And the more you truly repent and seek God, the more he will help you walk free from sin. But again, he's standing at the door and he will knock, waiting for the invitation. The lastly is this, listen for the voice of God. Listen for God's voice. <clears throat> listen for God's voice. Many times we're waiting to hear the, the big booming voice of God. We're waiting for thunder. We're waiting for some, you know, pillar of fire. And that's how I'm going to know what God's wanting me to do. And I'm going to tell you something that's not how it's going to work. And I would, I would probably say it this way. If you're hearing the, if you heard the voice of God, uh, like thunder, it's probably not a good thing on your part. Most of the time when he, 
most of the time when he addressed people that way, it was a, uh, it was a negative thing. So go back to, uh, you know, point number three, walk in holiness. Anyway, uh, we're trying to hear God. Lord, I can't hear you with our physical ears. That's not how it's going to work. Let me show you. In 1 Kings 19, this is a great insight from the story of Elijah and how we're going to hear the voice of God. Uh, it says this, go out, uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 11, go out, stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told, told them. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper, gentle whisper, a still small voice. If you continue reading, it's interesting how God addresses Elijah, the all-knowing God. His presence comes to Elijah and he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? The all-knowing God. He didn't blast him. He didn't shake him to his core. He said, I had a conversation. What are you doing here? He knew. And we miss God too many times because that's how he's coming into our life. Many times that's how he comes into our life to speak to us even when we should deserve that he should shake our whole house and get our attention. But he comes in with a gentle whisper. And most of the time, you'll hear the voice of God when you're quietly listening, quietly listening. Because here's what happens too many times, if I'm just being transparent here, we don't shut our mouth long enough to hear what he has to say. You ever talked with somebody who you start having a conversation, they just started talking and then you had something to say, but when you tried to talk, they just continue talking over you. Eventually, for me, I say, well, I'm just not gonna talk then because you don't wanna hear anything I have to say anyway. I wonder if we put the Holy Spirit, not that that is, is his attitude, but I wonder if we put him in that um, situation more often than we would be honest about. My whole time, in my whole quiet time, it's good that I'm spending time with God, but I am talking the whole time. When's the last time I got quiet to listen? When's the last time I read the Bible to listen for the voice of God? If I get quiet, then what does the voice of God sound like? Right, it's the big question. Do you remember the first time you heard your own voice with your outside ears? Like maybe it was a recording or a video of yourself. Anybody remember that? Remember how it just made you sick to your stomach? Like surely I don't sound like that, right? Why? Because your exterior voice to you sounds differently than your interior voice. What's coming from the inside out to you sounds totally different than what, you, what other people are actually hearing. And it's crazy, how does that work? It's, it's so wild, but it's, it's, you begin to hear your voice with your outside ears and your exterior voice sounds so different. And the problem is many people are listening for the voice of God with their outside ears and it brings confusion. But I'll remind you of a verse I showed you last week, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14, it says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish, the foolishness to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. So what does this show us? It shows us that God speaks to your spirit God is a spirit. The real you on the inside of you is a spirit and God will speak spirit to spirit. Spirit to spirit, not spirit to ears. So I'm, I'm listening, I don't know, what does God sound like? I just don't know if I've ever heard him because I'm listening with the wrong part. I'm listening with the wrong part. 
God gives you that brand new spirit at salvation. He wants to speak to you spirit to spirit so you can hear him spirit to spirit. So what does the voice of God sound like? In short, many times, it sounds a lot like your voice. Let me make something clear. You are not God. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying never in your life have you ever heard any other voice besides yours from the inside out. So what do we often confuse it as? That's just me. That's a random thought. Hey man, I was just randomly thinking about you the other day. Was I? <laughs> or was God tapping me on the shoulder and said, hey, you need to reach out to them. They're really going through some stuff. But I passed it off as I've never heard any other voice from the inside out except my own. Must be me. Now, because that is the truth, because oftentimes the voice of God, we confuse it for us because we don't know how to distinguish it. This is abused by many people because they'll have a random thought and they'll say, well, God told me to tell you this and God told me this when he might not have. And even, even well-known pastors that I've talked to that have successful, incredible ministries have said, I thought God told me to do that, but I, was, I missed it. Because it takes practice. It takes practice. But the more that you listen for God's voice and the more you identify it and the more you obey it, the more he will speak. And it's just like your spouse. If Leslie called me right now, and I, and I answered, and it was her voice. I wouldn't be like, who is this? Right? I know her voice. Why? I, we've talked. We've communed together. We've walked together for a long time. Now, if one of you call me and I don't have your number, I might say, who is this? Right? Because no one's, no one's as close as me and her. I know her voice above any other voice. And that's how it will be. The more I walk, the more I listen, the more he begins to speak, I hear it. And I don't just pass it off as that was a random thought or something that was going on. But let me give you, here's four ways that God will confirm his voice. Because that's what you need. Well, was it just a random thought? Am I actually actually supposed to go, you know, uh, pay that person's groceries? Am I supposed to give this amount? Am I supposed to mow my neighbor's yard? Or is that just, you know, is that just me kind of randomly thinking about something? Here's four things that uh, this is going to confirm it. Number one, he's going to confirm it through his word. Again, back to number one, God's word is everything. It is everything. It is the most important thing in our life. It is life to us. It's the only book that's alive and living. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit will remind you of what the word says. That's, this is important. He can't remind you of something that you didn't put there to begin with. Why is studying God's word number one? Because he can't speak unless you're in the word. <laughs> He's not gonna speak outside of it. He's not gonna speak against it. He will never tell you to do something that isn't in agreement with God's word. Well, God said he's gonna meet all of our needs and we need a new vehicle. And so I just feel like God told me to go rob that bank, right? It's not gonna happen. That's against God's word, right? Well, God said he's gonna, you know, take care of us. And so I'm gonna cash out all of my, uh, you know, retirement and put it in just this one stock, okay? Everything. And we're three years from retirement. Uh, did he? I don't know, you, but I'm gonna give you some guidelines to run it through, okay? But I'm saying we gotta be careful. We're just saying, well, I had this feeling and it was God. It can be mistaken as you, but I'm saying I'm gonna give you these filters because he's never gonna speak against this. And if you know this, when you have those feelings, you're gonna know really quick, is that God or is that me? God will ask you to do Jesus things. You will ask you to do you things. That's usually a dead giveaway. 
is this going to serve someone, help someone? It's probably God. Is this going to really benefit me and no one else? Probably just me. Number two is this, through peace. He's going to confirm it through his peace. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule is the same word that we get the word umpire from. What does the umpire do? He calls the shots. He's the one in charge. He's running the game. Let the peace of God call the shots in your heart. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. If I'm anxious, if I'm rushed, if I got to make a decision right now, otherwise I'm going to miss this opportunity and I don't have any peace about it, it's probably not God. It's probably not God. Follow peace. There will be times though where you, he will ask you to take a step of faith that is so uncomfortable for you that you say, I, I, this is a really big stretch for us faith-wise. But always go back to, but do I have peace? When Leslie and I got into full-time ministry in the way that we are right now, there were some big steps we had to take. No guarantee of paycheck, nothing. Seems crazy. A lot of people said we were crazy, but I had peace. I, I know it was God. Third one is this through an inner witness, through an inner witness. So Romans 9.1 says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Another translation says, my conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. Super interesting verbiage. My conscience confirms it. This is what I was talking about uh, several weeks ago with the gifts of the Spirit. If someone's got a word for you, a word of knowledge, they got a prophecy for you, a word of wisdom, one of the things that you need to practice doing is asking yourself, does that ring true with my spirit? What are we asking? Does that ring true with my inner witness? Is the Holy Spirit in me witness in agreement with that? And even better, if you say you got a word for somebody, you better follow it. And it's a good practice to follow it with, does that ring true with your spirit? Because that's going to help you learn, did I hear from God? Or was that just me? Last one is this. We would call them coincidences. God doesn't call them that. We call them that through coincidences. A coincidence, I would say, is something that occurs by God's providential arrangement. Not every coincidence that you face is from God. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there are times God's been speaking to you and then something happens that just confirms everything that you've been sensing on the inside. It's gonna confirm it. This happens all the time in scripture when Jesus and, and Peter, they had to pay the, the temple tax. <laughs> Jesus, let's look at it, Matthew 17, 27. He says, so go down to the lake and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish that you catch and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Sounds crazy. And a lot of doubters would say, well, that's just coincidence. Coincidence that that happened, right? Small percentage, but that, there's no way that was actually God moving. As many of you know, we, I just talked about this. Our goal is to raise $100,000 in hopes that we can purchase a building, lease a building, get into a space of our own. One of the things I feel like God's put on my heart, and I've shared this briefly over the past couple of weeks, is that I feel like I have a heart for kingdom property. Churches that have been built and, and, and taken care of for years and years that people sacrificially gave to the kingdom of God for, but maybe they don't have the, the future. They don't have the, the, the church body there to keep it going. Maybe the pastor's ready to retire, but there's no one to turn it over to. Maybe they're outgrowing their space and they need to get out of it. There's, there's a lot of churches in our area. And I've just said, man, Lord, we're gonna start looking for a place that we can call our own, but we could get into and grow into, but if it has property that maybe someday we can build on, whatever that might look like. But Lord, I don't wanna see kingdom property go anywhere besides the kingdom of God. We've been talking about this. Now, two weeks ago, I went to a pastor's retreat, an impartation with my pastor. 
I was scheduled to go earlier in the year, but I, something changed in our schedule, so I had to get moved to September. And when I went out there, there was only seven of us there. Seven of us. Hundreds of pastors applied to go to these. There was four different sessions throughout the year. So here I am, and I made the, made the cut, and seven other guys were out there. I only know one, one other one. And I'm out there and I'm, I'm talking with the pastors, getting to know him a little bit. And on night two, I'm talking with this pastor and he's telling me, yeah, we, you know, I've been pastoring for 12 years. And I was like, man, tell me a little bit of your story. And he's like, he began to say, well, how we got our building was pretty crazy. I said, tell me about that. He has no idea our story right now. He has no idea. He's never heard of a bi church ever. Okay. He has no idea. I said, tell me about your story. He said, well, we were growing church. And I, you know, on Sundays we would drive around and look for churches that didn't have a lot of cars in their parking lot or no cars. And we would just try to set up meetings with pastors and say, hey, can we use your building on Sunday nights? Can we rent it from you for a while? Maybe long-term, could we purchase it? We just try to set up meetings. And I was like, that's interesting. (laughs) And then he said, and we found one and we had $100,000 in the bank. And I got to meet with this pastor. And as we talked with him for several weeks, basically on a handshake deal, he signed over his paid off church building and property to our church. And he said, so we had $100,000 that we didn't, have, we didn't have to put towards the build or towards the purchase of, of the building. It was ours. We got to put it into the building. He's like, it was, you know, we had to get rid of the mothball spells and things like that because it was an old person church. But um, we laughed about that for a second. But uh, when he said, $100,000, and he began to tell me his story. I about fell out of my seat, y'all. Because it was one of those things, I mean, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. Is it me or is it God? And many times God will use a coincidence, right? To say, yeah, you heard from right. You heard right, that's me. Keep following me. Trust me, I got you. And these coincidences will confirm things in our life and say, God, is it you? I just, can you make it clear? And a coincidence will come along and he'll say, is that clear enough? Yes, sir. I'll keep walking. I'll keep believing. God wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you and he wants to lead you. The Holy Spirit is our helper. In order to be led by the Spirit, though, you got to be a student of the word. You need to get in the flow of the Spirit every single day. You need to walk in holiness, which those first two things are going to help you do that. And lastly, you need to listen for his voice. Have I gotten quiet enough to hear from God? And watch what he'll do. Ask. Lord, speak to me today. Ask. Every time before I preach a message, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Ask. Watch what he will speak to you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. That is a a light to our lives. Help us hear your voice clearly this week in everything that we do as we seek you with passion and with a fresh fire. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.